Welcome to another of the Retire Notes podcast series. I'm Bruce Manners, the author of Retirement Ready and founder of the RetireNotes.com website. I'm in conversation with Anne Graham, CEO and Senior Financial Planner at Story Wealth Management. She's been recognised as one of the top 50 influential financial advisors in Australia. Thanks for being with us, Anne. Thanks, Bruce. Pleasure to be here. We're talking about the problem of high income, high debt and getting out of control. I like the high income part, Anne, but not the high debt or the out of control <laughs> part. What's the big picture of what's happening here? Yeah, I'm with you there, Bruce. I like the high income part too. Yes. <laughs> I think it's a behavioural thing and you could kind of coin it as lifestyle creeps. And I think you can kind of split it, the types of debt and anxiety depending on ages, you know, whether you're in your 30s or say 50s. But sure. what tends to happen is people have good careers, are, are paid well, they work really hard and after a while they, their lifestyle starts to change and they tend to either want to want to keep up with their colleagues, they want to keep up with a particular image that they feel pressure to conform to, they don't have much time or they don't pay attention to where their money's going and before they know it they've spent next year's bonus before they've even got it. Oh. The debt's gone up because they're, they're really just, looking at what their monthly repayment is rather than the overall debt. And they really don't think it'll ever come to an end. And invariably, people get to a point where they start looking at the next 10 years and retirement, for example, and they sure. kind of realise that, well, this income won't continue and yet I'll still have this debt. And that's where that out-of-control feeling comes from. As someone who has never had the problem of high income, is this a common happening? Amongst that cohort, sure, yes, the higher income earning professionals, it's probably more common than you'd think. And like I said, I think it kind of creeps up on people a little bit. Sure. Many of us aren't conscious spenders. We get paid, we sort of have an idea of what's coming in and our lifestyle adapts to that and the money goes out the door. And I think when you're busy and you're concentrating on other things and trying to keep up with mm. appearances, it gets away from you. And by the time you, you catch up or by the time you start paying attention to it, it's gone on far too long usually. And they're in trouble. They're in trouble. Yeah. So keeping up with the Joneses is actually a real thing. Can be a real thing. Yeah, that's right. And on an individual basis, everyone's got their own reasons for doing this. And yeah. sometimes it's a relationship with money or it might be around their values. And the three big things tend to be for people with children, private schools, holidays yes. and mortgages. Yes. Okay. So what are the problems that come with this for the individuals, for the family? Definitely the stress and that can cause relationship issues, especially if one person's spending more than the other or one person thinks it's a problem and the other one doesn't. That communication needs to get back on track and when people agree on their goals around money, then real change can happen. So I think that it can be insidious, so it can creep up on people before they know it. Yes. And often um, sometimes people are in denial, so they think, oh, that's all right, I'll, I'll get paid well, this is normal, don't need to do anything about it. Waiting for the next bonus. Waiting for the next bonus or you kind of see it, especially when property you know, has gone up quite significantly in value over the last five to ten years, maybe not so much in the last 12 months, but mm. people are using their mortgages as an ATM as well. So oh, yes. they think, well, yeah, yeah, you know, my, oh, my property's doubled in value in the last five years. I've got a lot of equity in it, so therefore I can have that holiday overseas or I can buy this new car. 
um, not really thinking it through in terms of the debt still going to be there, even though the house might have gone up in value. So what makes them blind to it? Just over-optimistic or what's happening? There's very low level of financial literacy in Australia. Okay. And I think there's also this uh, cognitive dissonance where it just doesn't sink through. There's this reality gap. What I see where we have people that by the time they come and see a financial advisor, hmm. um, they've usually recognised that something isn't quite right or well, actually, they might not even recognise that. They might be thinking, oh, I need to get myself sorted for retirement. And so one of the tasks, we get them to do a couple of things. One is write down all of your assets and all of your liabilities. Yes. What you own and what you owe and also what your income is and what your expenses are. Yes. And writing down the balance sheet or the assets and liabilities can be a bit of an eye-opener for them. Yes. When they put it on paper and they can see it but particularly the income and expenses because most people don't know what they spend their money on or how much they spend. Sure. So an exercise we have is getting people to look through their last six months of, say, um, bank transactions, writing it down, and then, you know, you double it and that's pretty much what you might spend in a year. Yes. And that can be quite significant. When people look at where their money is going, it can be a bit of a surprise or a shock. Okay. But once they know, then they can take action on changing tax. What is the typical thing that money would go to? Apart from the big ones like the private school fees, which sure. are significant, or yes. mortgages, you know, they, everyone knows what's going out every month for their loan, holidays. So, so it might be okay. someone sort of saying, I don't spend much, we don't have a lavish lifestyle. Yes. We're just nicking over to Europe for three weeks in the holidays because it's been a tough year. Okay. And But that European trip, won't be on a budget, it'll be quite extravagant. So, yes. and doing something like that, say, every year, yes. and you're borrowing to do it, you're not using money you've saved, can have a, an impact on, on your overall finances. Or, you know, updating a car. So, my car's two years old, I think it's, you know, I think it's time I updated it. Yes. And it might be a luxury car. Yes. Another one would be perhaps buying a holiday house where they've got the debt but there's no income coming in to help service that debt. Mm-hmm. So that's a, a lifestyle asset. So things like that, you know, or being very generous with gifts and looking after kids and, and family. So do you ever get people where it's too late for them to recover? Yeah, it's happened. Uh, and too late can mean bankruptcy. So it's quite... Okay, so that's serious. Dire. Can be, yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, we've had people with $100,000 on credit card debt. That's a lot of money on a credit card. That is a lot of money on, yeah, numerous credit cards. They're not necessarily high income either. So sometimes people where there's um, mental health issues struggle with finances. Sure, understand that. So it can go, that, that can exacerbate it. But usually if you're talking about a cohort where they have a reasonable income and some assets, it's all around the decision-making and their values and their goals. So when you're talking about retirement and lifestyle in retirement, Hmm. people will often have a choice. So they might be able to reduce their debt by downsizing their home or selling off a holiday house, not updating a car as frequently as they used to. So they can make some big, significant changes by changing those lifestyles or the things that they've been used to during their working career. And it can be a bit of a mental shift, but once they focus on what's important to them, it can be much easier than they they originally thought. Okay. So what safeguards can individuals put in to make sure that they don't exceed their spending, I guess? 
that would be for the high earners as well as everybody else. It's a universal truth, yeah. yeah that's <laughs> that, what we need matter. here, universal truth. <laughs> the universal truth. It doesn't matter really what your income is. So main thing is have a budget, spend less than you earn. Sounds simple, right, but often it's not done. Have a budget and check into it on a regular basis. And you can do that these days, you know, if you're doing online banking, often your the online website for your, your bank will have a little pie chart showing where your money's gone over the last month or two. So it's much easier these days to track it. But pay yourself first. That's a really good tip. So that's where super comes into it, actually. You're paying yourself first because you don't ever see that money. Okay. But if you also put aside a certain amount of your pay, whether it's a dollar value or a percentage, and just have it automatically transferred from your, your account into a savings account that you don't have ready access to, that can help. So come back to pay yourself first. I've heard this in other places. Why do that? Out of sight, out of mind. What we do as humans is if we see it, we spend it. Okay, so paying yourself is putting it into an account you can't easily access. Getting it out of out of the way so that you're okay. not tempted. So it's there yeah. if the rainy day comes. The rainy day, and that's actually another tip, is to get yourself an emergency fund saved as well so that you're not, you don't have to borrow off the credit card if a bill comes in unexpectedly. You've got some emergency cash there. But they'd pay yourself first thing. So if I, I have $500 coming in this week, Mm. And I've put $50 aside automatically yes. uh, for my savings. I know I can spend the $450 that's left, no problem. And I've still saved my 50 But if I do it the flip and say I've got $500 in my account, I'll only spend 450 because I'm really disciplined and very careful. It could creep up to 470 or 480 or, you know. Sure. But if you pay yourself first, it's just not there. Yep always make sure you have something coming in that's less than going out. Yeah, exactly. That's right. It's not rocket science. It's, <laughs> it's, it's, it's much easier in, you know, in theory than it is sometimes in practice. Yeah. Um, but if you start those habits early, so, you know, what a lot of experienced people, you know, those that have already retired can do is, is help and teach their kids and grandkids really good money habits to start with. All right. We've been talking about wealthy people and we've been talking about the regular people. In the big picture, as a financial advisor, how would you sum up your advice about finances? I'd say in summary, advice about finances is have a clear goal. So if you know where you're heading, that can really help when making decisions around finances. And that in turn means you can become more disciplined about where your money goes. You can make very clear choices and you can be more in control of your finances, whether you're wealthy or not. As a financial advisor, a lot of our job is educating our clients, coaching them, bringing awareness of their situation to the forefront, not being judgy, yes. and then helping with strategies and just changes to behaviour around that people can adopt to get themselves into a better position. But they also then feel empowered and not quite so stressed, hopefully, because, you know, some of our happiest clients are the ones with the least amount of money. Some of our most stressed clients are those that have most money. You know, level of wealth doesn't determine happiness. I guess that's a truth. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay. Hey, thanks, Anne. I've been talking to Anne Graham, CEO and Senior Financial Planner at Story Wealth Management. And thanks to you for listening to this RetireNotes.com podcast. 